Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And he was given, back in our text, he was given a mouth speaking great things great blasphemies and he was given notice given underline that word given he was given and he was given underline that that means that by permission by god's sovereign will his grace actually it's not even his grace he's just he's allowing this to happen he could allow it not to happen but understand this this is the frustrating thing for the devil because he knows what's coming but he hates so greatly that he's willing to sacrifice it all Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on Truth in Christ Radio with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Blasphemer may be the more accurate title than Antichrist for this end times dictator. This beast is a man who speaks against God and everything God stands for, God's name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. Why does the beast blaspheme those who dwell in heaven? Because he shows his hatred for those who were taken in the rapture and are therefore out of his reach. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. For a Gentile, I would like to think that if the Jews are going to embrace him, certainly they know their scripture. He's going to have to be a Jew, right? Could be. Could be. Some think that he will be a Jew. In fact, in Daniel chapter 11... Speaking of this beast, Daniel speaks and says, Then the king shall do, and this is Daniel 11, verse 36, Then the king shall do according to his own will, and he shall exalt and magnify himself above every god. Notice, every god. This is the Antichrist. He shall speak blasphemies against the god of gods. Okay? He knows that there is a god of gods. Isn't that true? It's not like he doesn't know the truth. He knows the truth, but he's so bent on overthrowing him and desiring to have worship above him, it's lunacy, it's insanity. I mean, think about it. If you were a created being, someone created you, and you look at that being and say, I'm better than you, and I'm going to rise above you. That's like a Ford truck coming off the Ford plant, you know, coming off the, uh, off the line and then exalting itself above the company who made it. And it's even more lunacy, more crazy than that, because we're talking about Almighty God here. But notice it says that he shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished, for what has been determined shall be done. He shall regard neither the God of God, I'm sorry, he shall regard neither the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall exalt himself above them all. This word God here is Elohim in verse 37 there. 
he shall regard, neither regard the God of his fathers. This word, God of his fathers, is something that's very well known to the Jew. It was in Exodus 3, verse 15. It says, Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers. This is a very Jewish phrase, the God of your fathers. So could it be that this Antichrist is a Jew? It could be. It could be. Some think that he will not be a Jew because he is actually the final Gentile ruler. Maybe he's half Jew. We don't really know. I guess it's really silly to speculate. And it doesn't really matter. Either way, they're going to be deceived greatly. And this beast that we're, we're going to, this other beast that we're going to talk about next week, this false prophet, comes from the land who many think is the land of Israel. And if that's the case, maybe that's why they will receive him. Because this one is going to be very cunning, and perhaps he will be a Jew. And perhaps that will further sear their conscience to embrace him, nonetheless. And notice what it says here. Neither, he shall neither, neither regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women. This word, desire of women, could be a title, actually. The desire of women could be Jesus. He's going to turn his back completely on the Messiah, and the promises that the Messiah has made in the Scripture. I mean, how many promises are in the Bible? There's quite a few. And there's still yet promises that are yet to be fulfilled. So he's not going to regard the God of his fathers, and he's also not going to regard the desire of women, which, again, it could be, speaking of a title, the desire of women, the Messiah. Every Hebrew young lady desired to be the mother of Jesus. Because they knew the prophecy of Isaiah 7 verse 14. Behold, the virgin, the virgin will conceive. Not just a virgin, the virgin. There's a specific virgin. Or it could mean that he's a homosexual. You know, if it doesn't mean that, then it means that he, he doesn't have any, any desire for women. Could he be gay? Or maybe he just doesn't have any desire at all. And this would be interesting because if he didn't, this would be a, a, a great distraction for a man of that power, coming into that much power. If he did have a desire for women, he'd have a problem. But he doesn't have a desire for women. Could it be that he's just, he doesn't really have any, he's, he looks at a woman and he's like, there's nothing going on, just flat line, you know. Where normal men, they see a woman, you know, heart starts to beat. He's just like, eh, I can, uh Whatever. Could it be? So they worship, verse 4, the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? He's going to be a strong military leader. And this has always been the dragon. This has always been Satan's desire for a very long time, is to be worshipped. To be worshipped. You recall in Isaiah chapter 14, this is what Satan said in his heart. It's recorded for us in verse 13. For you have said in your heart, God speaking to Satan, you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, of Jehovah. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. We call it the five I wills of Satan. His will was to rise above, wanted to be worshipped so bad, so bad. Satan has always wanted to receive worship. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness 
It says in Matthew 4, verse 8, it says, Again, the devil took Jesus up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give to you if you will just fall down just once. Just once. I want everybody to see it, though. We're going to have CNN and MSNBC, Fox News. They're all going to be right there. Just once. I want, see, I want people to see it. I'll give, you don't have to go to the cross, Jesus. I'll give it all to you. Just worship me. Just bow down just this once in front of the camera. And Jesus said, away with you. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. And he was given, back in our text, he was given a mouth speaking great things, great blasphemies. And he was given, notice, given, underline that word given. He was given, and he was given, underline that. That means that by permission, by God's sovereign will, his grace, actually it's not even his grace, he's, just, he's allowing this to happen. He could allow it not to happen. But to understand this, this is the frustrating thing for the devil because he knows what's coming But he hates so greatly that he's willing to sacrifice it all because of his great hate. Have you known somebody, they they hate something so bad they're willing to sacrifice something that's uh, even more important to them? We've seen this in Daniel. We looked at it uh, last week. We looked at it some. That he was, in Daniel 7, verse 8, you know, while Daniel was considering the horns, there was another horn, a little one, speaking of the Antichrist, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots, and there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. Pompous words. Daniel seven eleven. I watched then, because of the sound of the pompous words that the horn was speaking, and I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. That's ultimately his destiny. That's where he's going to go. God is going to, when Jesus shows up on the earth in his second coming, the beast, the Antichrist, is going to be cast into the lake of fire where the false prophet will be as well. In Daniel 7, verse 25, it says, He shall speak pompous words against the Most High. And then it says, And then the saints shall be giving into his hand for a time and times and half a time. That phrase should remind you of how many years? Three and a half years, 42 months, 1,260 days. They're all equivalent. You see it throughout the scripture, speaking of this last three and a half year period, which is going to be so bad that Jesus said, remember, that if he didn't return to put an end to it, no flesh would survive it. So back in our text in verse 6, it says, He opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, against and blasphemed his name. What a horrible thing to, to do. The one who created you, even the devil, was a created being. You can read that in Ezekiel 28. He was a created being. He is not equal with God. He's not equal with Jesus. The Mormons believe that Jesus and the devil are equals. That they're brothers. They haven't read the truth. He's a created being. He was created. But he's going to speak blasphemy against the name of God. And what did Jesus, what did it say in the Psalms? I put my word above all my name. He's going to blaspheme Jesus. He's going to blaspheme the word of God. He's going to blaspheme God the Father. And notice, not only that, but his tabernacle in heaven. And also those who dwell in heaven, which is, guess what? That's us! In the angelic realm, you are going to be blasphemed by the devil. How do you feel? <laughs> I'm not going to care because I'm going to be with the king. Amen? I'm going to be with him. I could care less what he says, what he thinks, what he does. We're going to be with Jesus. 
the Savior, the wonderful great king. There's no one like him. Come forward. Anybody who's got the big enough fist, come on. Play king of the mountain. You're going to lose. Our king wins. Our God wins. Your God, not so much. It's okay to get that excited. Love it. Love it. Notice, it was granted to him, underline that again in verse 7, it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority was given him, notice, authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. Does that sound like every tribe, tongue, and does that sound like worldwide, or does that, is that just like New Jersey? And he gave him power over everyone in New Jersey. Or maybe it would be more appropriate, he gave them power over everyone in New York. No, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, we're talking worldwide, a one-world government. Here's a little glimpse of it. We've already looked at a one-world religion, a one-world um, political system, which will, it'll, it'll, be, um, it'll grow on us. We'll, we'll develop that later as we get into Revelation. And next week, we're going to see a one-world economy as well. Those three things, one-world religion, one-world economy, and one world political system. He's going to reign over it all. And he's developing it right now, right under our noses. It's all in play. It's all working very good. And boy, there's a lot of struggles. A lot of struggles even right now because we are on the verge of it. We are on the verge of it. I told you last week that I was going to share something with you. And I'm just going to give you something to think about. Some of you may not like this, and I don't mean to offend you. If I do, I apologize. But as a pastor, as a, one of the, the roles of a pastor is not only to feed like we're doing now, to feed the Word of God like we've been doing, but it's also to warn. And I believe we are on the verge of something our country has never experienced. And why? Why do I say that? Because there is so much angst, so much pain, so many things going on right now. We've never experienced anything like it. There are powers that be that are trying to remove us as a country. And you may say to yourself, are you crazy? What are you talking about? Well, let me apologize to you first before I go any further. Some of you have heard me talk about BLM, Black Lives Matter. And I don't want to offend any... African-American person here. I know I have because I think a couple of Sundays I mentioned that phrase and I didn't, I qualified it one week and the other week I didn't qualify it. And I think there was somebody here, an African-American couple, and I don't think they liked it. And I don't blame them because I was, I was clumsy. I made the assumption that everybody in the room knew what BLM is all about now. If you don't know what BLM is about, you need to wake up because they are not what you think they are. Black lives matter. That is very true. And what they've been through, the black people, what they have been through in our country and in the world has been horrendous. There's no excuse for it. Of course we're heartbroken about that. I am. I don't have any issue with that phrase itself. But the organization is something completely different, folks. They are Marxist in their origin. You can look this up. I've got stuff I can share with you if you want. Okay, I'm not going to spend all the time going through it right now. But you need to understand that this movement is a very powerful movement, and they have an agenda. I believe that socialism, and why is this important, what we're reading? 
I'm not just going to pull this, what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't tell you in any other study, but boy, it fits what we're talking about right now. And I've been wrestling with it for two weeks. And some of you, you're probably like, well, that, that's, you know, of course we understand that. It's obvious to us. Well, praise the Lord if it is. But I can't not share what, I, what I'm seeing. And if I'm wrong, I hope I am. I really hope I'm wrong. And if you bear with me for a few moments, I want to share some things with you that hopefully will help you understand. Because there is a one-world government that is trying to form right now. Anything that's in its infancy, it's trying. It's trying so hard. And there are powers and entities that are trying to aid that. And I believe BLM is one of them because they're socialist in their ideals and they want to replace our government. That's why, why is there so much strife in the streets? Is it, is it just because our president... You know, he can be, um, you know, sometimes he can use harsh words and, you know, you may not like his personality, but I like his policies. And forgive me for saying that, but I'm just going to be honest with you. But let me suggest to you that socialism is about globalism. Globalists love socialism. And I can tell you that our president is not a globalist. In fact, everything about him is the antithesis of globalism. Why is there a fight right now? Because our country is on the verge of something that we've never seen before. And it is. We're right on the cusp of it. And it's going to, what's going to happen in the next few weeks is going to determine what direction we're going to go. And believe, make no mistake, it's going to happen. The Bible tells us that it's going to happen. But how long are we going to be able to enjoy what the country that we know right now, how long are we going to be able to enjoy that, will be determined in a few weeks, hopefully. Let me read something to you. If you think I'm just uh, crazy, I'm going to read to you some excerpts from this. And bear with me, because I know I'm going to go over just a few minutes. So please bear with me, because this is important, folks. I've been dying to share this with you. I've been dying inside, because I knew that some of you would be really upset with me. And I understand it may seem like a cheap shot right before the election. And I ask for your forgiveness for that. But you know what? I didn't know that I was going to be in this chapter a few weeks before an election. And to apply what we're reading here about a one-world government in the formation and not mention what I see happening would be derelict for me. This book... En Route to Global Occupation by Gary Cause, an excellent book. If you don't have this, I would encourage you to read it. It will open your eyes. Gary Kaw was a high-ranking government, high government liaison during the Bush administration in the 80s and the 90s. And he was very involved in world matters, economy. He was in, he was in the trenches of the whole thing. And the whole thing was one world order, you know, the, the new world order, the one world government. And he exposes in this book, and he's got facsimiles of documents that he was able to facsimile before, while he still had the, uh, credibility, or the, um, the, um, what's, what's, yeah, the clearance. While you had the clearance, he, he facsimiled a lot of this stuff and exposes the whole thing. This book was written in 1991 or 92. And let me read to you a few excerpts. If you think I'm nuts about the whole socialism and where our country is headed if we don't stand up. Read, let me read it to you. And it says, uh, and he's talking about the Council on Foreign Relations and the Trilateral Commission, these entities, we might call them the deep state. 
They are entities that are bent on a global government. They are the same ones who divide up the world into ten regions, okay? The United Nations, and a lot of these figures, they're all involved in these uh, Council on Foreign Relations, Trilateral Commission. It goes really deep, and their, their core of this whole thing is very satanic. And he exposes the whole thing in this book, a really good book. But let me read to you a few things. Rear Admiral Chester Ward, a former Council on Foreign Relations member for 16 years, warned the American people of the organization's intentions. He's warning us, and he's going to quote here, the organizations, the Council on Foreign Relations, their intentions. And not just them, but a host of other um, entities. I quote, The most powerful clique in these elitist groups have one objective in common. They want to bring about the surrender, notice this, They want to bring about the surrender of the sovereignty and the national independence of the United States. Is that what you're seeing right now? A relinquishing of sovereignty and national independence? You better believe it. It's happening right now before our eyes. It couldn't be more pertinent. It couldn't be more applicable what we're talking about right now. A second clique of international members of the Council on Foreign Relations uh, comprises the Wall Street international bankers and their agents. Primarily, they want the world banking monopoly from whatever power ends up in the control of global government. Dan Smoot, a former member of the FBI headquarters staff in Washington and one of the first researchers into the Council on Foreign Relations, summarized the organization's purpose as follows. Listen to this very carefully. The ultimate aim of the Council on Foreign Relations is to create a one-world socialist system and make the United States an official part of it. 1991. Has it been forming ever since then? You better believe it. It's happening. And he goes on, Congressman John Rarick, deeply concerned over the growing influence of the CFR, has been one of the members of Congress making a concerted effort to expose the organization. He says this, the Council on Foreign Relations, dedicated to one world government, financed by a number of the largest tax-exempt foundations and wielding such authority and influence over our lives in the areas of finance, business, labor, military, education, mass communication media should be familiar to every American concerned with good government and with preserving and defending the U.S. Constitution and our free enterprise system. Yet the nation's right to know machinery, the news media, usually so aggressively in exposures usually so aggressive in exposures to inform our people, remain conspicuously silent when it comes to the CFR, its members, and their activities. And I find that a few university students... Oh, and I find that few university students and graduates have ever heard of the Council on Foreign Relations. The CFR is the establishment. Not only does it have influence and power in key decision-making positions at the highest levels of government to apply pressure from above, but it also finances and uses individuals and groups to bring pressure from below to justify the the high-level decisions for converting the United States from a sovereign constitutional republic into a servile member of the state of a one-world dictatorship. What do you think about that? If he's true, if he's right, we're seeing it right now. BLM is part of it. Antifa is part of it. And why isn't other powers, why aren't they doing anything about it? Let me read to you Another excerpt from Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley was the 29th United States ambassador to the United Nations. You know what she said just a, uh, actually on the 5th of October, just about six days ago? She tweeted this. 
with this idea of socialism and how it's on the verge of taking over our country. You know what she said? She said, Khrushchev, 60 years ago, and she quotes him, your children's children, he's talking about United States, your children's children will live under communism. You Americans are so gullible. No, you won't accept communism outright, but we will keep feeding you small doses of socialism until you will finally wake up and find you already have communism. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.